This episode is a follow-up to a Q&A that I did with Caleb not too long ago, specific to physique training and the world of bodybuilding. In this one, we talk about the world of competition. We talk about the old school bro splits, the goods, the bads, the uglies. We talk about some common mistakes we see and where to start if you're uh, getting into the bodybuilding game or you just like that style of training. Now, Caleb's the guy behind our physique training program. The physique training program is located inside our online membership here at Red Dot Fitness. So if you go to rdftrainonline.com and select the online membership option, you can see all the training programs that are available to you in there. And physique is one of those. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free one-week trial and have a look at yourself. You'll get access to our online app. You'll see how all the training programs are put together, how you can log, how you can track, and how we can engage you in your program to help you get the most out of your investment. Again, that's RDF Train online.com rdf trainonline.com welcome to iron sights this podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health fitness business and life i'm your host scott howell welcome to old school meets new school Tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm back in the studio with uh, my good friend, Caleb Disney. You guys see me post him on my on my Instagram quite a bit, or in the stories. Caleb, what is up? Not a lot, man. It's good to be back in California, and good to see everybody here at Red Dot. Fucking great to have you. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, we The last time you were here was... I think it's been about a year and a half. Yeah. It's in the winter. Yep. Uh, we had gone through um, some content stuff. We'd, we've, we've done a couple of episodes and you were, you were on your way out. Yeah. <laughs> moving out yeah. to, moving out to Texas. How yeah. is it, how is it in the uh, much freer state of Texas as compared to California these days? Cause you're a California but, dude. Yes, that's true. Much freer in some senses. Yeah. Um, I do like it. It's, uh, it's good for business. Bodybuilding is very popular there. Um, so that's great for me as a primarily bodybuilding coach. Um, cost of living is a lot cheaper, which I love. Um, you know, able to afford a house on what I make and could not do that out here. Uh, gas is cheaper. Um, everybody's carrying. It's there, there's some cool things about it. The weather's shit, you know, but you get what you <laughs> it's pay. Not California. You get what you pay for, you know. Um, property taxes out the ass, but hey, maybe that'll change someday. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, we have a lot of, lot of friends, a lot of people move down there and, um, you know, uh, everybody I talk to is thriving now that they're there. So I would say thriving. Yeah. I think that, and that's the big difference is it went from surviving to thriving yeah. and it's really good to hear that, uh, that that's happening for you too. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that you're not in, we don't see you in the gym every day like we used to, but, yeah. uh, uh, I'm I'm very very grateful that things are going well for you and that we're able to kind of maintain you know what we've been doing and so to catch people up on that like Caleb's been part of the team for a long time and uh, it's the the role or I guess the roles sort of changed in terms of our relationship only from like a logistics perspective and kind of what you're immediately involved in and I've always looked to you as a as a level head as somebody to bounce ideas off of to have very smart conversations with specific to training and human performance mm. uh, based on your background. And then obviously getting into like the bodybuilding end of things is something you're very passionate about. You've invested a lot of time, money, money, energy, and that is really the focus that you've been, you've, you've, uh, you've sort of embarked on in the, in the last several years, had several accomplishments and, and 
that game is very, very popular. And you're the guy I go to when I have sort of questions that I need to get my finger on the pulse or I see something happen. I'm like, okay, what's going on over there? Like, what the hell is this guy talking about now? Or is this really changing or are we just talking about it differently? Sure. Which is why I wanted to have you in here today because I want to talk about physique training okay. specifically because I think it it makes sense for people. You know, people kind of get it. Yeah, it uh, physique is, um, it's an asset, right? Uh, there, are, there are tangible reasons. You can talk about like doing things for performance, training for a function, uh, looking good as a function in today's society, uh, I think at least. And so if nothing else, people treat you differently when you're in shape. Um, you feel better about yourself when you're in shape, whether other people can see it or whether you keep it covered up. So I think there are real tangible reasons to pursue this beyond just what we assume is like vanity or training for specific types of competition, things like that. Um, at least that's kind of how I've always rationalized it for myself. No, I think it's a solid rationalization. I remember it was interesting. I was a young guy, uh, was in my very early twenties. In fact, I hadn't even started coaching yet. Um, and I remember sitting around a dinner table one time with, a with a guy that I had met at the gym and we were out to dinner. There was, he had invited some of his friends along and these, these folks were, I was going to say were very religious. Mm. Okay. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. And they were very much not connected with fitness at all. Okay. And he was, and he'd been, he'd been training for a very long time. And I think he was kind of, what he did was very foreign to them. And then he brought me into the, to this, this conversation and we were talking about it and I was getting some, what I thought at the time I I got caught off guard was very, it it caught me off guard. And one of those questions was like, so why do you, why do you do this? Why is this so important for you? And at 22 years old or whatever it was at the time, like, it's a little deep for me. Yeah. Like, well, like I like the way it makes me feel. I like the challenge. Um, I th- looking good, feeling good. Uh, performance wasn't really much of a thing anymore. I was mm-hmm. on my journey at that point, like athletics had sort of stopped for me, like in the competition sense, at least at that time. And sure. just trying to explain that. And the guy looked straight, that's got this one other guy looked at me straight, straight in the face, like with this fork halfway to his mouth kind of st- looked over at me out of the side of his, out of the side of his face and says, man, it really sounds like just vanity to me. And then finished the pathway back to, to his mouth with yeah. his fork. Yeah. And I sat there and I go, is this guy legit asking me a question? Mm-hmm. Is he fucking with me? Mm-hmm. Or, um, is that like, I'd never thought about it before. Like you really caught me off guard. Right. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, some of it is. And, you know, obviously going back to the religious piece and the angle they were coming from, vanity is not necessarily a, an important thing or good virtue. Sure. But at the same time, like I didn't think too much about it at that time. I just kind of moved on and went back to my 22 year old, you know, fairly <laughs> immature life doing right. the things I was doing, including training. And, but it, it, it resonated with me and I thought about long, longer uh, down the road. And as I got older, I started to think about it deeper. And one of the things you just said right there is that it is an asset. And mm-hmm. I do believe, I do believe that to be very true, whether people want to acknowledge that, acknowledge or that or not. Sure. I mean, I think I've said this before, like when you, when you're in the world of business, and I'll, t- I'll take the male's perspective here. You walk into a business meeting and there's 10 other males in that room. And, you know, let's just say they're all from part of a leadership group. Okay. Um, and they all drive whatever cars and they're yep. all wearing whatever yep. watches and yep. suits and clothes and whatever else. And I've, I've been there. Sure. I've done this. The guy that stands up in the front of the room to make the presentation, the one of 10 that is obviously fit, mm-hmm. that obviously has shows, shows, I think the rest of the crowd, um, that they have a certain level of discipline. There's a difference. Organization. 
that they take certain things seriously over others. And there's just kind of an aura yep. that, that comes with that. And I believe people do respect that at a different level. Yeah. Uh, particularly, again, this is I'm going from the male perspective. Yeah. So I, so I believe you. I would agree with that. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned, um, I kind of have an anecdote there too, where when I started the kind of fitness path, um, I really felt at first that I had to have some justification for, for my goals. And so I was really reluctant to, you know, claim, you know, quote unquote bodybuilding as, as my goal focus. It was always, no, first I want to be fit. I want to be, um, uh, functional was the term was mm-hmm. really, really, it hadn't become cheesy quite, quite yeah, yet back then. Whatever the hell that means. Um, yeah. and then it was like strength and, you know, I want to be, uh, all, all these different things. No, really, I wanted to be bigger. I wanted to feel better about myself. I want to be jacked. I want to be fucking jacked um, because I was 125 pounds, six foot, you know, uh, former drug addict who like hated the way he looked and finally got real with himself about how much I hated the way I looked and decided to fucking do something about it. Mm-hmm. But for that first year and a half or so, almost two years, I wouldn't um, fully admit what my goal was because I thought, you know, people are going to look I don't know what I thought, but I, I think- Is there I, shame in that? I think maybe. I was reading a lot of T Nation and for whatever reason at that time, they were really uh, biasing like the, you know, have purpose for what you're doing and and don't just be fucking big and useless. You know, all this all this bullshit. Okay. Um, or at least it, to me it was, you know, but I, I bought into it at the time. So I, my training- reflected my lack of direction. You didn't have a why. I didn't. And so, or I had- or you, too, did, you didn't want to acknowledge- Yeah, why, I had so. too many. So I wanted to be big. So I was trying to throw in hypertrophy training, but at the same time, I was trying to mix in all these different things, like training for strength and training for speed and all these things that, it, sure, it maybe gave me a good kind of base to figure out what types of training I enjoyed and what I didn't. But also it really slowed down my progress in the one direction that mattered to me the most. Which was? Bodybuilding. I want to be big. I want to be jacked. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to look like a Greek god, right? right? Or as close to it as I can. Um, and when I finally acknowledged that a couple of years later and like said it out loud, um, my progress started really picking up because I was finally fully willing, I was fully bought in. So I think it's funny that uh, it, everybody's journey to that is a little bit different, but I think it's really important for everybody to identify what they want um, before they're getting started on something um, and continually check in with themselves so that they can make sure I'm still going in the same direction that I want to go in, but know what the fuck you want yep. and don't be apologetic about it because what you want is what you want. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, that once you have that, and you, you feel really convicted on that, you're very, very sure. And you want to be sure because every decision you make after that uh, is a reflection of that or yeah, should be, right? should, 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 be, be. should be driven towards that. And I think that's where people really struggle <laughs> a lot <laughs> more than just physique training or any, or training period. Uh-huh. Training's a, training's a very good metaphor for, for, for having a why or just purpose in, in, in life. life. Yeah. And you, you see the confusion that wraps around that. And there are things you can do to still achieve some type of a res- result, even when you're a little unfocused or don't have a really de- mm-hmm. developed why, but eventually it catches up with you. We've talked about this before. We call it the triangle of awareness. What are you training for? Whether that is physique. Mm-hmm. So we'll call that, we, we, on that, on that triangle, we'll look at that as aesthetics. Like, am I trying to look good, right? right for, or I'm trying to change something specifically about the way my body looks. For, you know? for a visually focused outcome. Exactly. So whether that's dropping body fat, building muscle, doing both, having bigger shoulders, arms, butt, calves, whatever, mm-hmm. abs, that we relate that to being a, you know, that aesthetic goal versus a performance goal, which would be, I want to be faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be stronger. Mm-hmm. I want to be quicker. I want to be more agile. I want to be more balanced, things like that. That is a much different type of training or 
a result of doing that kind of training might be improved aesthetics. Sure. But sure. focusing on aesthetics while expecting a performance outcome or specific performance outcome in one of those, say, domains of fitness I just mentioned there is not realistic. Might not, yeah. 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 And then the last one being longevity or like your quality health, of life health. health. Yeah. And, you know, I think people play at some point in their training all mm. through, all through there. Yeah. I, I don't care who you are. You could be, you know, Mary Jones, the 40-year-old housewife who's never you know, exercised in her life, who then finds some consistency in her exercise program, starts seeing an aesthetic result, yep. feels a performance result, yep. and is getting a longevity result all at the same time. And there tends to be like, wow, I'm feeling really great. Maybe I will try that 5K mm-hmm. that I've never done and always wanted to do. Well, yeah. that's more of a performance goal. Sure. But it's as a result of attacking sort of all sides, maybe at the same time, unknowingly. Yep. Yep. And then you've done that and it's like, wow, I see all these runners out there and they look much better and they're, you know, running outfits that I look, I look, so right. I need to drop some body fat and maybe look a little bit more muscular. So I shift to this, to this aesthetic goal. And so yeah. they, they work really hard. They buy a program, they join a program, they get a coach or whatever else. And they start to learn more about that. And then they recognize, wow, I really haven't been addressing the nutrition piece. I'm overtraining. By the way, I'm over 40 now. I don't recover the same way I did. And I have these responsibilities and I've recognized my overtraining, maybe under eating, under resting and stretching myself, maybe even overreaching has, has resulted in some type of an outcome that I don't like. Like I'm tired. My, my hormonal balance is off a little bit. I've, I've lost lean muscle tissue, which I didn't want to lose. Right. And so now I need to go back to more of a, like a longevity goal. How do I balance this all out? So going back to the journey and how people arrive, I just paint that picture because I think a lot of people can relate to all of those things. They see something cool once they get fit enough to be able to maybe do something and they yep. gravitate towards that. Yep. Um, my goals always ha- have changed dramatically over the years. Like I was, I was a physique, I was performance first, big, bigger, stronger, faster. Sure. Then it was physique and then it moved into performance. Then it moved into longevity. Yep. Um, and I've dabbled back and forth, but I was always like, Hey, I just want to be able to go out and do the things in life that are available to me. I'd like to look good doing it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and I don't want to be a fucking wreck yep. from doing it yep. the next day or the next week. And, you know, look, by the way, like I know at some point I'm going to have to probably start paying attention, a little closer attention to my metabolic health, my, mm-hmm. my cardiovascular health and things like that. So how can I balance this all out? It is a juggling act. Yeah. However, coming all the way back to physique, I don't think there's a person on the planet that doesn't sort of understand what you just said. Totally. They, they can deny it. Yep. We can have a debate about it. Yep. Um, you know, we can talk psychology, you know, emotions, things like that. But at the end of the day, I think it's very human. Yes, I would say so. So in terms of like approaching the physique thing, like I see people do a lot of things. Um, let's talk about physique training. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe a place to kind of jump into this is like, traditionally I see it or like I think a lot of people see it is is like, this is what training in the quote unquote gym, Mm -hmm. like the big box gym looks like. Yeah. It's like your traditional bro split. Yep. Okay. It's like back and buys. Yep. Chest Chest and tries. Yeah. You know, on Tuesdays and then on Wednesdays it's shoulders and arms or or, or shoulders and abs or or something like that. Sure. Uh, I think traditionally that's kind of how it's been put together. It was publicized heavily as we got into like the seventies and into the eighties and nineties with the bodybuilding scene and gyms were built around this type of training. That's true. Equipment was built around this type of training. Yep. And I think a lot of people have adopted it and that's what they know as training. I think it's evolved quite a bit, but it's the same at its roots. I think it's, it's, 
you know, when we look at how we apply exercise training variables and things, and then what people understand are being the quote unquote right exercises for the right muscles, I don't think that's changed much. No, um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think we have, as we've come up with different ways to organize our training throughout the week, right? So now you got the, what you call the bro split, right? Has always been really popular and still is. And then you've got some people who prefer what we'd call like a push-pull legs, um, upper-lower, things like, I mean, there are lots of different ways to organize it. But if you look at what you're doing in the gym on a weekly basis, they all even out pretty similarly as far as the total amount of work, the total amount of volume that you're allocating to each muscle group. Um, and there's, there's a reason that it's remained for the most part constant all this time is because it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to expose muscles to, you know, force, um, and to the point of generating fatigue to make them grow. Uh, and so you can do that a bunch of different ways. You can organize it differently, but at the end of the day, you got to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, that's an interesting part. And then as the world of, uh, I think people have started to recognize more and more that resistance training is important yes, and that it is cool to do. Mm-hmm. And that as a female, I'm not going to get quote unquote bulky mm-hmm. doing it, which was this thing. Like, I don't want to get big like you, Caleb. Yeah. Um, we hear that less, we still hear it, but I think, you know, we hear it much less than we did. People are, are, uh, people are a little bit more aware and they've also, uh, you know, they're more willing to adopt it. Like they recognize, and as the older generation, or that, let's just say as generations continue to, to age, it's been, you know, they're, they're starting to recognize how important strength training is to longevity longevity, right, and health. So massive, it's huge. Uh, you cannot debate this. No, it's arguably the best thing you can do to age gracefully. Yeah, there really is no argument outside of that. I mean, obviously, if you had some contraindications to some certain things, sure, especially maybe. But let's let now we're splitting hairs. Yeah. We're just looking at the, the the larger thing. So again, at the end of the day, like what you said is is like, look, it all is the same thing. It's just how we're organizing it. And I think this is you know people have tried to leverage this, market it in different ways, totally. and we hear these terms being yep. used yep. to basically just talk about how the workout's organized. Yes. Like flashy uh, buzzwords, yep. like yep. The muscle, tension. Muscle, muscle confusion. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to shock this. You, uh. have to, you have to do it this way. I mean, what am I missing? There's got to be a ten, 10 others that have- Time under tension, right. training to failure, forward. I mean, the, yeah. Um, it's easy to get lost in the weeds, I think. Now, if you're somebody who's been doing this for a long time and are already pretty advanced, have already kind of gotten the most you can out of keeping things simple, then, and if the, if you still want more, then it does make sense to start diving a little bit deeper and getting more specific in terms of how you organize things. Um, but for somebody who just, you know, is starting out or somebody who doesn't have super lofty aspirations as far as their physique, then you, you don't want to, conf- don't, don't get like, fall into paralysis by analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like do something and trying what's out there is probably going to work uh, at least to start. And then if you notice that things are not progressing the way you want, then you start to to dive a little bit deeper and fine tune things a little bit more. And, and, you know, it's a process. Um, But yeah, I, there are so many different quote unquote styles of training now. And there's a lot of debate in the uh, more bodybuilding centric space Mm -hmm. on what is quote unquote best. Um, so if you're asked, like, what is the best style of training for physique enhancement? It's the kind that builds muscle. So look at what bodybuilders are doing. <laughs> that, <right>? that kind. <laughs> but look at what bodybuilders do. Um, the vast majority of the principles that bodybuilders have been following for the last several decades are going to be ideal because they all achieve this, this result that we want, you know? 
um, they are training to or very close to failure. We can talk about what constitutes failure mm-hmm. and what doesn't, but they're training close to failure. They're producing force in a certain muscle until so much fatigue is built up in that muscle that it can't produce enough force to lift the weight anymore. That's, that's the goal. Um, they're progressively overloading. So they are lifting a little bit more over time. That can be by adding an extra rep here or there. That can be by adding a tiny bit of weight here and there. Um, but it's going up slowly, not as straight, you know. Yeah, not, the trajectory is going the same direction, yes. but the velocity of that is very controlled. It, it oscillates, yeah. yeah. Um, then they're doing other things like maximizing fluid flow to the working muscle. So they're trying to get a pump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something to that. That's probably not the end-all be-all for growth, but there's, there's a reason um, that that works. They are prioritizing their food around the workout period. So that's not so much training related, but that still makes a difference. Um, making sure you're fueled adequately so that you can train as hard as possible. Um, they're training through mostly a full range of motion. Um, they're picking movements that have large degrees of external stability. So machines and cables, things like that, where you don't need to worry about balancing your body in space. So all you need to focus on is driving through the muscle that's working. Um, so you can get a lot more out of the muscle in that set. Um, these are, you know, kind of universal, universal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, regardless of the training style, the setup, you know, the split that you choose, these, these are things that you want to be doing regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I think over time it's when you're trying to reach a consumer with this one way or another, whether that's in a magazine, a video, a downloaded guide, a blog, an Instagram video, YouTube video, or whatever else, it's always like, how do I reach the lowest common denominator here in terms of getting this information across to somebody who half of what you just said there is very foreign to them. Mm. So for lack of a better term, it continually gets dumbed down, dumbed down. Sure, So you're trying to reach reach a broader audience. Yeah, and it's simplified and simplified. Sometimes can be oversimplified uh, as much as it can be overcomplicated. And so what what it turns into is like, just tell me how many exercises how many sets of each I need to do and how many reps I need to do of each and give me a ballpark in terms of, I think where the where things start to really get messy then is like when you talked about the, the, the fatigue model and training for, to yeah. fatigue and failure and yeah. what that really means for people, because that's really where the rubber meets the road. I can give you all the right exercises, quote unquote, right exercises, all the right sets and all the right yep. reps. Yep. But if the intensity isn't there, right? to stimulate this response or this adaptation and have to grow and respond in that way, yep. then it doesn't matter. Yep. But the, the, the point of this is, is like people really understand like, okay, I probably should be doing two to four exercises for these bigger body parts. I'm probably doing about three to four sets of somewhere between eight and 12 repetitions. Mm-hmm. This is a mixture of the dumbing it down yep. or, this over, or the simplifying it alongside the science that we know exists around the time under tension type of models in terms of reps and sets intensity or so we'll go reps or we'll go intensity and volume of exercises that need to be done in order to elicit this type of response. This might be very boring for people listening to this, but I think the point of this is, is like people have an idea Mm -hmm. and with that idea, like the oversimplification, overcomplication, there can also be a overconfidence or a lack of understanding of mm-hmm. how this stuff actually applies. And so while they're in the gym doing work yep. and they're putting, they have a great work ethic mm-hmm. and they're putting in a lot of work, both of those things work and work ethic don't necessarily equate to results. Yep. Yep. And that's, that sucks. Yeah. It I've, does. I've, yeah. I've fallen in that and that, that really fucking sucks because you're putting everything you have into, you're putting all your energy and effort into these sessions and planning for the sessions and all the stuff you need to be doing. But if these key components are kind of missed, 
you're not getting a equivocal result for the effort you're putting in. And that that's awful. It's it's not a waste of time because you getting you're getting something. You're getting something. You're exercising, you're getting your heart rate up, you're moving, you're moving fluid, you're you're uh, you're stimulating the brain, the nervous system, the, the, the whole nine yards. Yep. But at the same time, like if you're what is your goal? Was yep. it aesthetics? Was it longevity? Maybe that's great for longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if your if your goal is performance or or aesthetics, like you are missing a lot and in a sense you are wasting some time. Or effort, yeah. And, and effort in in getting there, things could be dialed in. And this is where the nuance starts to come in. And yeah. I think I think this is where, you know, again. This is where people can get confused that this is also where they start doing black belt shit before, mm-hmm. you know, while they're, they're, they still need to be doing white belt, maybe blue belt shit. Um, like you mentioned is an example, like the food and timing of food and things like that. That can be extraordinarily important yep. on the performance and aesthetics training side of things. However, depending on where you are in your journey in terms of levels and there's levels to everything. Yes. That's prob- That's not something you probably need to worry about right away. But again, going down this path of, well, I've been doing this training for a long time. I don't seem to be getting the results that I used to be getting. I think I'm managing intensity and volume correctly. Sure. Then things like timing of food and those small percentage of, of increased performance that you can get through your workout yep. can then in- give you a small percentage of increase in gains, yep. if you will, on the yep. back end. Then they start to pay off. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, you, you want to... The broad you want the broad strokes before you start filling in the fine details. I think. Um, what, what and what are the broad strokes? Yes, yeah, it's a good question. Let's get into that. Um, so, I would say two things: um, range of motion. So, working a muscle through its full range of motion. I'll talk about that in a second, and then training to failure. Um, so, if you've ever looked at an anatomy chart, right, you see a muscle has lines. What every single muscle does, just it functions as a um, a lever and a pulley. So the muscle crosses a joint. So your your elbow, for example, is a hinge joint. Really simple. It bends and extends. So there are muscles on either side of your elbow, your bicep and your tricep. And when one of them pulls against the joint, it moves the joint in that direction. That's what a muscle does. So understanding what each muscle does is really useful because you can make sure that you're training that muscle the way you want to. You know, um, there's a lot of different ways to do a bicep curl, but you want to know, you want to make sure that the, the resistance that you're fighting against, whether it's a, a, a free weight or a cable or a machine is moving in the same direction as the muscle wants to move. Cause it only moves in, in one direction. Um, more importantly, the one you want to train. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so, and then range of motion just means, you know, the bicep can go from all the way out here to all the way in here. So I want to make sure I'm not just doing little fucking partials. I'm going all the way out, going all the way in. That way the muscle has to do the most work because it is literally moving the most distance. So let's talk about there for a second because that is a very broad stroke. But I, dude, I see in these programs all the time, you do partials at the end. So the partials not work? Are they not, are they not helpful? What the hell? Yeah, um, they can be. It, that's, that's, that's frustrating too because there can be an application for them. I think to keep things simple though, because that is what we want, learning how to use a muscle through its full range of motion and training it to failure through that full range of motion is the most important thing. That's white belt shit. Yes, that's white belt shit. There may be a time where partials at the end of a set or something like that are warranted, um, but there's never going to be a time where partials at the beginning of a set are prop, like make make a lot of sense, I think. Um, So yeah, I mean, you could do curls until you can't, finish the rep anymore. You cannot, you know, you can only get this high up. And so you can stop the set there, or you could just 
just go as high as you can, which would constitute a partial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be application there, but like I wouldn't just do the whole set like that. Right. And what you see a lot of people do in the gym is when they're doing an exercise, they're not doing the full range of motion from the beginning. A lot of times they're using too heavy of a weight and so they can't actually control it for that full range of motion. And so they're, they're not even getting much yeah. what they, from the exercise. What they think they're doing and what they're actually getting out of it are two Under different misaligned. things. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's not a connection being made there. Yeah, so you talk about like the broad strokes and that full range of motion being the most important one. Uh, number one, I don't think most people think like that. No. I think it's like, what's the exercise? Yeah. Not how am I doing the exercise or what is my what are my muscles actually doing with this exercise that I picked yep. based on many factors. Yep. Uh, we won't get into all those, but like, what's the physics of the machine? Yep. Like what, what's, what's happening in space here? Am I, is it free weights? Is it cables? Is it bands? Is it, you know, is it, uh, uh whatever, uh, there's, there's a million different things. Is a body weight. All of those things matter, yeah. right. In terms of how you're applying that. And so people are like, well, what are the right exercise? What are the best exercises for me? Ba- rather than what's the best way to do the exercise sure. that I've picked. Sure. And so you can see how it gets really annoying for a lot of people because we're like, oh, we want to keep the service level. But then already we're talking about all this nuance and it, it ma- the reason is it matters. It matters, yeah. Um, and so, okay, easy answer, I guess. If the, the best exercise for you for a specific muscle group is an exercise that allows you to load that muscle through its full range of motion until you fail safely. Um, so for example, a, um, well, let's just use the bicep curl. Yeah. yeah. So, that. so like a standing bicep curl with a, with a dumbbell, um, for most people who don't have really good control or awareness of, of their bodies, you're probably going to start moving other parts of your body to finish the rep before the bicep actually fails because there's nothing holding your bicep in place, holding your upper arm in place. So another exercise like a preacher curl, which um, is a, basically a bicep curl where you have your upper arm pressed up against a pad so it can't move. It takes the cheating factor yes, away. And, and it helps you create more leverage at that, that elbow. Um, that's a lot easier to take to true failure without cheating. Um, there are still ways to. You'll yeah. have people start to dip their shoulder forward and such. But um, how many times have you seen somebody do a standing barbell curl and their elbow, if you look at the angle of their elbow, it's only moving like from 90 degrees to, to fully curled. You know what I mean? When they lower the weight and then instead of el- opening up the elbow more, they just dip their shoulders forward mm-hmm. and they're thinking, oh, I'm moving the weight from point A to point B. Yeah, the weight's moving it's in not, space. But it's not about where the weight's moving in space. It's about what's happening at the joint that is controlled by the muscle that you're training. Mm-hmm. So best exercise is one that you can do and take to failure through a full range of motion without cheating. Yeah, I love this. I love this where this conversation is going, specifically on the on the concept of cheating. So we said cheating, mm. and I related that to other movement happening outside of what was happening at the elbow, specifically yep. in that bicep curl example. Is there a case? Is there is there is there a place for quote unquote cheating or rocking? If so, where is it? Potentially, um, but I would say not unless you have a lot of experience with making a muscle work until it fails. Yeah, because learning how to keep the rest of your body totally fucking still while you're taking a muscle through the pain that is required to take it to failure is a skill. Um, and most people don't have it until they've been, until they force themselves to do it for long enough. So 
Yeah, there may be, it's just like the partials argument. If you can take your biceps to failure in a standing curl without swinging your body or without letting your elbows move forward or back or without letting your shoulders dip forward, then you want to go a little bit beyond failure and swing a little bit to get a little bit more stimulus. Sure. Um, but most people just start with the swinging or they do it quote unquote strict until it starts to get difficult, until it starts to hurt a little bit. And then they regress to swinging mm-hmm. and they haven't taken the bicep to failure yet. So, for I think the people for whom this conversation really pertains or is targeted to, the answer would be no. Come back in a year or two when you've been doing it right, and then we can talk about it again. Great answer. I love that answer, and I think that where where you go with this is again with this white belt versus black belt stuff is people are relating like I need to lift heavier mm. rather than I I need to lift better. Yeah, or I need to I need to practice the skill of lifting the yeah. weight right? Before I start adding more weight and that there's an immediate, um, they equate more weight yep. to bigger, to, to more strength or more biceps, yes. uh, girth or whatever. And now, now we're getting, now, now we're looking at like, well, what was your goal? Yeah. Did if you want to lift more weight? If your goal was to lift more weight then swing away, fucker, mm-hmm. go all day, dude, just yep. lift yep. more. Yep. Look, whatever you can lift, lift if that's the goal. But, but if your goal is aesthetics to grow your biceps, what result are you actually getting right. from the putting more weight in your hand and swinging it into an arm curl position? Yeah. And I, I say this all the time. Your muscles can't count. They don't know what the weight on the, the dumbbell says. Right. They don't give a shit. So whatever I can do to make the muscle fail uh, ideally I want to use the list, the least weight I need to. So I want to be as strict as possible. I want to take my time with the negatives. I want to pause at the bottom where it's fucking harder to get back up mm-hmm. instead of bouncing out. I want to do all these things to make it harder. Um, because my muscles don't know how much weight I'm using. They only know how much tension, how much force, force. I'm telling them to produce. All they know is I did this until I couldn't physically do it anymore. Um, the other thing is they don't, we can't fucking count reps. Your muscles, so the whole eight to 12 rep range, it's a, that's a benchmark to help you pick an adequate load to accomplish what I just talked about. Your muscles can't count. And so if you hit 12 reps and still have more in the tank, they're not going to grow. Your muscles aren't going to say, oh, we did 12. The rules are 12. Time to grow. Right. They don't give a shit. So weight and reps and number of sets and all these things we use to organize and categorize, you need to understand these are things that we use so that we humans can wrap our heads around what we're doing. They're not actual rules. They're just ways for us to categorize, organize, and track what we're doing over the long term. It's like a guideline. But they don't fucking matter. All that matters is what the biological piece of fucking tissue, your muscle, is being required to do. Right. Yeah, I think this is an interesting point when you start getting into the how, how you watch things happen in the gym and progress. Because, all right. Going back to where you you started in your journey, mm. I forget how much you said you weighed, but one hundred twenty five, one hundred twenty five pounds, tall, six feet, one hundred twenty five, whatever it is, and you're like, I need to get bigger, and so you go into the gym, mm. which is a scary prospect, probably at that point. Right? Yeah, I got stories about that too. Yeah, you walk in, you're like, what the whoa, you know, like totally out of your element. And yep. I think you know, there's a lot of people. Anybody that's been to a gym walked into one for the first time ever in their life at some point, so they can probably relate to this. Yeah. You look across the gym and you see the big dude over in the corner, the biggest guy in the gym, and he's mm-hmm. got the bar or the dumbbells in his hand and he's just heaving away. He's swinging away and he looks jacked. Well, I'm going to do that too. It makes good conventional sense, yes. right? The conventional yeah. wisdom would say, yeah, it lifts heavy weights, right? He's moving them through space mm-hmm. and he's huge. Yep. So that's what I need to do. Uh, and 
again, not taking into account like a couple of things. One, you have no idea where that guy is in his journey with yes. regard to like how many strict uh, dumbbell curls did that guy do? Just in that set alone. In, in, just in that workout alone, yep. not not to mention the however many years he's been training, right? Yes. And what he's worked himself up to. But the other thing you had, you're not taking into account though, and this is the thing I, 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 I enjoy putting out there because people can respect it because they get it. I think like internally they're like, yeah, I get it. And that is the meathead approach, which is just lift heavy shit. And just, gr- just doesn't work matter. hard. Yeah, just doesn't, and it doesn't hard, matter. Brother. It yeah. doesn't matter how, how, what ranges of motion you're working through. Like if you're lifting heavy, now your body's going to respond how, how it responds favorably. Mm-hmm. Right. And what result you actually get from that long-term in terms of your abilities, a body, your, your body's ability to overcome force through these range, ranges of motion that these in particular joints have. Yep. That's something different than I'm lifting heavy shit, I'm throwing it around or whatever, and I'm getting bigger. Yes, that works until it doesn't. To a point and for some people. Um, yeah, it's that's a good point you make because monkey see, monkey do, right? We're very visual creatures. We see what other people are doing. We try to mirror them based on, we, we fill in the blanks. We don't know the story, but so we, we try to fill it in ourselves, which is not a good practice really, but you know, that's the way we're wired. It's nature. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think a good analogy for this is like your favorite non-bodybuilding um, uh, athlete, right? Your favorite football player who's jacked. He didn't get that way because of the shit he did. He got that way because he's one of the fortunate people out there whose bodies will just remarkably respond to whatever the fuck he does. Um, yeah, there's, there's a very small percentage of people out there that are freaky. Genetic variance is a real thing and we got to be realistic with ourselves about that. Um, so I mean, like, yeah, there are people who want to look like Christian, Christian Ronaldo or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he, he's not, I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's not like training specifically for aesthetics. He's training for his soccer career. Um, if you want to look like him training the way he does is probably not in your best interest because he's look, he looks that way as a side effect. He's just lucky that he looks that way as a side effect. Not that he doesn't work hard. No, not in, at all. In the other training. But look at what he's trying to achieve. He wants to be one of the best fucking soccer players. Yeah, he's not uh, He's not training like, um, I don't know, whoever the, the latest bodybuilder is out there now. I don't even know. I can't keep up with it. No, but he that, doesn't train like that. But that's important, you know? So when you see like your favorite, like, um, yeah, my, people who look a certain way didn't necessarily get that way on purpose. And that's just the unfortunate reality of, of genetic variants. And, and we're all built different. We all, some people pick the right parents. And, and that doesn't mean that that's who you should try to emulate. You should try to emulate the people who look the way they look specifically because of the things they've been doing, because they've been trying to look that way. So I say look at bodybuilders because the things they're doing are for bodybuilding. They're, so there's a, a better likelihood that the things they're doing are going to apply to you too. Yeah, and there's a very large percentage of people that do train for that specifically. There's a very, 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 very small percentage of those people that make it to the absolute top levels, mm-hmm. right? Where they are competing and maybe even getting paid mm-hmm. uh, to, to do it. And those people have a little bit of both, Yeah, right? They have, they have excellent maybe genetics as well as the work ethic, as well as the great training program very disciplined with their nutrition and sleep and all of those other things. And they've been able to put it together and they've also had the commitment and consistency over time in order to get there. So there's a lot of factors that go into this, mm-hmm. but to your point, like there's so many people that have been successful at bodybuilding, not mm-hmm. 
becoming a professional bodybuilder. No, just looking good naked. Yeah, exactly. Because of applying these principles and and being committed and so forth. I mean, we can talk about like we'll talk about this on a different podcast, but there is a there is a performance enhancement drug component that can aid in these things, but still it doesn't take away from mm. you know the 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 quality muscle that you build, how you build it, and how you ultimately look. While those things can enhance those things and certainly sure. be helpful, sure. uh, in a, in a big way. Sometimes they don't do shit. Sometimes also. they don't work, and that's what you don't hear. Yep. Right. Yep. Those are not the people we're looking at. Yeah. Like, if you've been in this game long enough, in the fitness game long enough, you know somebody that's fucked around with drugs and they got nothing out of it. They got nothing out of it. In fact, they may look awful or worse than they did when they started. Yeah. I, plenty of those guys for a yeah. long, long time. Yep. It's just like, dude, stop it. Yeah. But. Um, you don't, you don't see that. You don't hear that. So that genetic variance thing is really, really important, I think, for people to realize. And so when they're scrolling through Instagram, you know, or around the internet, it's so hard. I know. It's so hard because you're looking at it's like, I want to look like that guy. So that guy's workouts must be the right workouts. That guy's nutrition or diet must be the the right nutrition or diet for me because I want to look like that. Yeah. Again, I hopefully we don't have to say that too much, but apparently we do because people are still choosing yeah. uh, programs. They're still choosing their rationale based on a very irrational yeah. thought process. Yeah. Well, humans are really emotional creatures. And if you see something that makes you feel uh, a certain way, you, you resonate with it. I want to look like that. I have these strong feelings that are, that are coming up as I look at that. And so that can influence the decisions you make. Well, my next workout, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing, even though it's been working so I can try this other thing. 100% have done that a million times. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all have because humans are, as much as we like to pretend we're rational, we're we're emotional first, rational second um, for the, the most part, I think. So... Yeah. So as we're getting into like, we talked a lot about the new, the nuance and like things to, to kind of keep in mind. Some of the other nuance that starts to come up as you start to get down the line, like you, if you've been, let's say consistently applying those basic principles yep. again, that we, that you outlined there for the better part of a year or longer, yep. then we can start getting into some of the other nuance type things that can really have an impact on how those basic principles uh, can be leveraged, yeah. you know, over time. So like you were talking about like, okay, so your body doesn't understand reps and sets. It understands force and failure, yep. right? And how much of those things are being applied to it. And so again, you have all these different things. So it's like, how do you build into that? Because I am trying to manage my intensity alongside my volume, alongside my recovery and all these other things. You know, the, there's terms that get used out there and there's there's things that come along with the program. So if I'm a consumer of exercise programming and it's a physique program mm-hmm. as an example, and I look at it and I see, okay, this makes sense, right? It's a five or six day workout routine. It looks similar to a bro split. Maybe it's more of a push-pull type thing. I got a day off in there in the middle of the week. Okay, sure. this looks this looks familiar to me. Exercises, nothing in there super fancy. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm squatting, I'm hinging, I'm yeah. pulling, I'm pushing. Yeah. You know, I'm doing some other stuff. And then I start, and then I see the reps and sets. All right, yeah, it's three to four sets. I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 12, eight to 12 maybe yeah. 15 repetitions at sure. some point. But now... I start looking at how to apply that because now when I go in, I don't just start, I don't go to failure necessarily in the first set. So everybody, mm. everybody knows, Caleb, like there has to be some type of a warm up, mm. right? Or a build set to this. Yep. And this is yep. where the Feeders. nuance, yeah. this is where the nuance starts to come in. So maybe we talk about some of the things that they'll see. And the reason I bring this up is, um, uh, is I think for, for coaches out there or for the experienced exercises that's been playing in the physique world, 
that might not even be written into their program anymore. It's just implied. That's a problem, I think. Well, hundred percent, especially yeah. for the guy who had success on that program, but doesn't know how to coach, but now all of a sudden is because he did a program for a few years. He understands it. Yeah. He was, he stepped on stage. He looked great. Maybe even got a ribbon or a trophy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now he's coaching people, but he doesn't understand those things. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which part? So let's, let's, (laughs) I think the first part is is like, how do you get to, at what point am I going to failure? Mm. Right. Because I think a lot of people are looking at, all right, so I, I go into the gym and like, I need to be like right out of the gate. Like what should my warm up look like if I'm, Today is Monday, dude. It's chest and tries, man. Yeah. It's Monday, right? It's what we do. So you walk into the gym. So at what point am I into my working sets versus mm-hmm. my warm-up sets versus my build sets versus my backups? What the hell is all this stuff? Because if they look at a program that's written by somebody who's including the nuance, they're going to see a lot of stuff in there that might be very foreign to sure. them. Okay. Well, first off, I want to qualify this by saying there are a lot of different ways to organize this. And so this is this is my personal preference on how to organize things. Um, if you are somebody who's purchasing a program, a training program from somebody, a a supposed authority on this topic, um, everything should be clarified. And if it's not, you should feel comfortable asking them to clarify. And if they can't clarify, there may be a problem. Red flag. Red flag. Yeah. Um, so when I program for myself and for others, I don't typically talk about warm up sets, right? So uh, let me, let me talk about what that is real quick. Um, Let's say I'm going to bench press, you know, I'm planning on bench pressing 315 pounds. Uh, That's what I know I can work with. And so I'm not just going to walk into the gym and lay on the bench and load up 315 and go to town. I need to kind of work up to that. Um, And so I'm going to go through warm-up sets leading up to that, or some people call them feeder sets now. And this is also annoying how the colloquialisms are constantly changing. Um, I don't track warm-up sets. The reason is I'm not trying to elicit any training response from them. I'm not trying to stimulate muscle growth from the warm-up sets. I'm trying to prepare myself for the working sets, the important ones, the ones that do cause the growth. So what I'm going to do is start with something light. So in the 315 example, let's say I start with a 45-pound plate per set, so 135 pounds. Um, I'm going to do that for maybe eight reps or 10 reps. That's really easy for me. I could do that all fucking day. Mm -hmm. I'm not generating any fatigue. What I have done is I've started moving blood into the muscles and the joints that are involved in this lift. So now they're cushioned a little bit more. They're literally a little bit warmer. Um, and I've kind of quote unquote, woken up my nervous system a bit. So I've gotten it used to moving some weight in this movement pattern. So now I'm going to add a little bit more weight. Let's say I go 225. That may be a big jump. It's different for everybody. Um, 225 is closer to 315. So it can generate fatigue. I don't want any fatigue when I go into my big heavy set with 315. So I'm going to do less reps. So I'm going to unrack uh, 225 and I'll do maybe four or five reps. Um, so by the time I put it down, I still feel like I could have done a bunch more reps, um, but I just exposed myself to a slightly heavier weight. And so what I'm doing now is priming my body to work in this way without generating fatigue. And so I'm going to keep doing warm up sets progressively with heavier and heavier weight and less and less reps. So as the weight goes up, my body's getting used to heavier weight. You're switching things on. Yep. And as the reps go down, I'm generating less and less fatigue. So by the time I get to my last warm up set, maybe I'm only doing one or two reps. Um, so let's say I do like 295 for a single rep for my last warm up set. I didn't generate any fatigue. It's just one rep, right? But I moved a weight really similar to what I'm going to work with for my working set. So now I rest a little bit. Um, and now I unrack 315. My body is not like, oh, fuck, this is so heavy. It's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like what we just did. Um, but now I'm going to go to town and. 
of take the repetition the set up until I fail. Um, and so I don't track any of the warm up sets because it's going to vary. How much I need is going to depend on the day, how tired I am, how tight I am. Um, so I, I just follow the general format of preparing myself for the working sets. And then the working sets are what I actually track because those are the ones that actually elicit some response. I think this is the sauce that people get lost in a lot. You know, it's also the thing that needs to be talked about and doesn't get talked about enough. Sure. So it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, the original question. Yeah, the original question is, sorry, just about like, how do I get to my working sets? And then once I'm there, what does that mean? So you talked about fatigue, right? And failure. And I think this is is a scary thing for people, right? Mm -hmm. And that... And when I say scary, I sort of mean that facetiously, but at the same time, like they don't really know what that means. Yeah. Like what does failure look like and what kind of failure, what, what constitutes failure in this bench press example? Sure. Like, is it the bar? I can't move the bar anymore and it stops and it sits on my chest and I have to have a spotter or I'm stuck. Yep. Or is it, are you relating this more to like a reps in reserve? Is this more of a, um, a rate of perceived exertion? Because that is what we're seeing a lot of in programming. We use it in our own programming. Yeah, yeah. I like RIR versus RPE for yep. the same reasons you just said. Yep. I was having a conversation with a guy the other day. We can get back to that. Actually, I don't want to get off track. Let's talk <laughs> about the failure piece. Sure. So, yes, um, reps and reserve and RPE. Reps and reserve is um, just a different subjective. Um, well, more. it's a more objective measure for how tired you are versus RPE. RPE is rate of perceived exertion. That's you are providing a number ranking on a scale of one to 10 for how hard you feel like you just worked. So 10 would be, I just went all fucking out. I'm dead. One would be, I didn't even, I don't even feel like I worked. Reps in reserve is, okay, gun to my head. How many more reps could I have done at the time that I ended that set? So if I unrack the weight, do a set of 10, put the weight back down. Okay, gun to my head. I could have done two more reps if I really, really had to. So my RIR is two. So this is an interesting thing. So this is where I was, I kind of backed off. RIR, RPE. I look at RIR as being real time. Yes. Like I'm evaluating this real time. Like I'm literally under the bar and I'm going, I might have two left in me. I re-rack, I get up, I go. That was an RIR of two reps in reserve. Versus RPE, which I can never really answer that question till post-workout. Yep. I yep. never really know how to rate that until I've actually done all the work. Yep. So going into a workout, and if somebody tells me to do, hey, I want you to do a, you know, I want you to do a five by five today with an, with, you know, with an RPE of 80%. I don't, I won't know if that was an RPE of 80% until I've already done, done my five by five. Yep, so that exactly. gives me no correlation to what weight should I be using? What load should I be using from an intensity perspective going into this work? And I think that's an important nuance for people to understand is like RIR is happening right now. And the more you do this, the more, you know, the better you get at gauging. Yeah. Yeah. The better you get at gauging, but going back to the RPE is like, or what you were saying before about like the build sets, Mm -hmm. like that's going to change based on how much rest did I get? What was my attrition? Like, where am I in my training week? Like, you know, how did the moon, sun, and stars align today? You yeah, know, yeah. all of those, you know, all of those things are factors and you won't know that until the end. So I think that's an important thing to, to help maybe people understand where those things fit in. Yeah. Both are valuable. Totally. One, I think is you can be using more real time. Yep. I think, and this is kind of a, a little, getting off on a little tangent, but I think um, RPE was originally used uh, and thought up and used for 
um, more dynamic type lifting. You're, so exactly. Olymp- Olympic weightlifting, right? In which case you, you couldn't do RIR with that because you're literally throwing the weight up in the air and catching it. You don't know. So it's really just, oh, how hard did that feel mm-hmm. when I threw that weight up in the Absolutely. air and caught it over my head? So that makes sense there. For anything more like controlled, um, so you could argue powerlifting can can benefit from either or, but for bodybuilding especially, where every rep should look exactly the same, every rep should have the same fucking tempo, um, which is a whole nother thing to get into. It becomes a lot easier to use RIR to gauge, you know, your proximity to failure. But not to get too off topic on the subject of of these these ratings, right. because for anybody who doesn't have extensive experience with training to failure. I don't think the RIR is something that you can use properly because- You have no objective numbers to work with. You don't know what failure feels like. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. So you can, a good, one thing that people do is is speed of the bar or the implement that you're lifting, right? Is you get more tired, more fatigued. You can't lift it as fast, even if you try to lift as fast as possible. So people will see the weight start to slow down and go, oh, I'm about to fail. But there are some movements where you can grind out really slow reps for like four, five, six more reps before you actually fail. Right. And so- If you don't know that. If you don't know, if you haven't experienced it before, it's not useful to you. So I think everybody who cares about building a, a decent physique, about building muscle, should have some experience training to failure in a safe way. I agree with you 100%. The only way to do that is to be doing the same things consistently for quite a long time. Yes. And I'm going to say- Years, mm-hmm. years, a year, you're still an infant because your body is still neurologically adapting in a lot of ways to what it is that you're doing. You haven't reached full, likely full potential, right. uh, both the neural system and the muscular system and those things, how they're, how those, those two things interplay. And you haven't built the skill level to understand, going back to what you were saying before, the skill level of the movement that you're trying to perform to know whether or not you may or may not have had more reps in reserve or yeah. not. So yeah, again, people are like jumping right into a powerlifting program. Right. This, I have problems with this. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you, you see your buddies doing it. They're building muscle. They're getting bigger. They're even getting leaner. Whatever else, they're getting. They're hitting the powerlifting platform and they're doing deadlifts every day. Look, man, get into a basic strength training program for a while yep. and learn what that feels like. Learn yep. what that looks like. Build overall body strength. Start with the bro split workouts, yeah, for God's sakes. You should, so that you understand the skilled movements that go into then doing that very huge high risk, low reward uh, over time movement. I mean, you can get a lot of reward out of that, that particular, that, 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 that deadlift, sure. you know, right from the get go and longer term, if applied properly or if the training program and everything else is applied properly, but ultimately the risk to reward starts to diminish. Yeah. And that skill that you're practicing every day, the skill level is now kind of established. Now it's just like, how much force can I apply yep. within that yep. skill level, thereby yep. impacting that risk to reward ratio? Uh, not to get too far off track, but the point of this is, is, is like you have to be doing things consistently enough to build enough strength where you can safely perform a skilled movement yep. to this quote unquote failure to then understand how this impacts you long term. Yeah. And so again, we're not trying to do black belt shit before you know, yep. we're done being, or gone through the belt, belt process. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So just, just learn how to train a muscle. So, so far we have learn what a muscle does. And so what its full range of motion is so that when you train that muscle, you're training it through its full range of motion for each rep, learn how to train to failure so that you are really delivering the growth stimulus to that muscle when you're training it. Um, 
two most important things. What's the right exercise for me? An exercise, what's the best exercise for me? The exercise that allows me to accomplish both of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't get lost in the weeds of like, well, which facet of fitness am I training for? Because the cool thing is when you're starting out, you improve at all of them at the same time. If I, if a brand new, like a high school student who's never lifted weights starts lifting weights in the right way, following the, the guidelines I just laid out, um, and they want to be faster, they want to be able to jump higher, they want to be stronger, all those boxes are going to be checked because their bodies are so adaptive um, because they've got zero exposure. It's the people who've been doing this for three, four, five years and decide, oh, I want everything I do to be all about being as strong as possible. Mm -hmm. Those are the people who need to focus on specializing. Um, But if you're not there yet, don't worry about that. Don't get lost in those weeds. Yeah, it's t- it, again. This is the thing I see a lot of people jumping into this programming and and asking a lot of questions around. Like, bro, just pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Just do what's in front of you. Do that for a while. You will learn what works best for you. And right. again, it, along that journey and figuring out the formula or the framework isn't really that complicated. Yeah. Right? Again, it just goes back to those basic things which we're trying to accomplish. It's how you're doing what the application looks like for you based on your particular circumstance. And, you know, that includes your health status, your previous fitness status, uh, your experience level, your skill level, all of those things yeah. are very important before we even start worrying about the, the exercise itself. Yeah. Is it the barbell back squat or is it the leg press? It doesn't fucking matter right now. Those principles don't change, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it the, you know, the Romanian deadlift or is it a Nordic curl? Mm. Like, it doesn't matter right now. Yep. Like, don't, yep. we're asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Not that those things don't those uh, application of those exercises aren't important and that you can't get certain things, you know, one more than the other in sure, certain, sure. certain yeah, variables. Different exercises have slightly different outcomes. hundred percent. But again, if you haven't been doing this long enough, you are, you're, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. So st- stick with the basics. Now, so that brings in another, the other thing why I wanted to have you in here today. We were, t- we were just talking about kind of physique training and people tend to gravitate towards this because of what you just said, the, mm-hmm. the cool part about it is, is you don't have to know a lot of exercises to get a really great result from applying these principles. Right. I mean, literally, if you had a barbell in your in your garage and maybe a set of dumbbells, you, you know, make that work. Yeah. You can totally make that work, and that is one of the that's what the great utility in this type of programming is. Is like you don't have to have a lot to make it work. Now, right. there's a lot of cool equipment out there, gyms with all kinds of stuff. I mean, we have that stuff here, but if you go to you know your typical you know, bodybuilding type gym, they got all kinds of cool shit in there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's all works. It's all great when applied properly. properly. Yeah. Um, but the point of that is, is like we, we had you, we had you and I work together on a physique program mm-hmm. for our, for our online membership. Right. And I wanted to put that in there. I didn't want to do like a, a self-guided long-term physique program for anybody or to put like against like our Red Dot Strong or Red Dot Max, you know, programming. I, I was like, look, the physique stuff is actually, I think, where most people want. They that's what they like to train. I would say so too. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 uh it's not overly complicated, right? And so there's complexity in it, but it's not overly complicated, and the, and it looks quote unquote normal. Yeah, you know, when I walk into you, you use the word functional. Yeah, you know, like again, like I question that word. Like, what the hell does even function functional mean? Functional is dependent on what it is that we're what training, to do. what we're trying yeah. to get get done. But my point of that is, is we're not doing anything crazy in there, right? So it's like Caleb, let's get a program together mm-hmm. that that addresses this nuance, but it doesn't confuse people, yeah. and it keeps them on track to be able to progressively, going back to that word, 
add skills, add and which would include adding some different types of exercises over time, sure. but more specifically, add skill and knowledge, and then also experience to then apply in later programming as we started to advance the programming a little bit, yeah. right? And the and the advancement in the program doesn't come with some fancy fucking exercises. It does not. It comes in the application yeah. of changing around the variables and some of the nuance that we were talking about. So it's really good timing that you're that you happen to be out here because we just put out like version 2.0 right. to the original physique program which quite frankly is the is the most popular program within our membership offerings our online membership offerings people yeah. fucking love it yeah. for two reasons one because i think it's very easy to follow sure. it's very user friendly and it looks very familiar to them going yep. back to like walking to the gym i'm sort of doing all the same things i see They're everybody else doing yep. so i don't feel weird yep. like this makes sense yeah. you know and I'm, and the second most important reason is people are getting great results on it. There we go. Right. And, and there's, there's nothing in there that's like overly weird, like from an exercise perspective, it's like, I know what a leg press is. Yeah. You know, I know what a barbell is. I know what a hip thrust is, or I know what an arm curl is. I know what a bench press or a chest press machine looks like. These are very easy things for people to do. And whether they're coming in it from a novice perspective or from a little bit more of an intermediate to advanced perspective, they're getting a result in each of those, let's just say markets. The more advanced person or intermediate to advanced person is looking at the nuance piece and really applying that, right. really going, oh shit, like now I get it. Yep. And it's in the organization. Yep. Yep. That's where they're, they're really getting the benefit. Yeah. And for the newer person, it's like, thank God, here's yeah. something that's organized in a way where I don't feel like I'm getting the shit kicked out of me and I've never recovered and I, and I'm, I'm constantly sore and whatever else. And I can get this done in five maybe six days a week if I want, yep. but I can move these things around. Yep. And I never feel like it, it doesn't go back to the old school bro split where I don't let you talk about this, but it doesn't go back to the old school bro split where on Mondays and it's just on Mondays, I train chest and trust. Sure. They don't see another specific movement until the following, the following Monday. Monday. Yeah. Right. The way the training split is, and that would be the same with like back and buys on Tuesday, Tuesday, the following week, yeah. then those kinds of things, the way they had that split up. We are hitting things multiple times in a given week, right? Or starting a given training period. Yeah. yeah. So people are seeing a little bit more frequency to their training. Yep. Yeah. Uh, training specific body parts, like things they like doing, sure. you know, chest sure. and buys, you know, yeah. or chest and tries, whatever else, like abs or whatever else people are hitting like, oh, I feel like I'm doing this more frequently, not having to wait and get through the things that I hate, yep. like shoulders and calves or legs yep. and trying to do a fucking entire uh, anterior and posterior leg workout all, all in the day. same day. Yeah. So people are like, this man, this, this is doable. It's sustainable. Yes. And I'm getting a fucking great result. So yeah. I wanted to talk through, I wanted to talk through that a little bit and kind of sure. how, how that's organized. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it's pretty, pretty well agreed upon, um, that for most people training, a every specific muscle group twice a week in a seven day period is, is going to be more ideal than just once. Um, just because of the, the kind of recovery window, you know, that we have. So when we're training, we are doing damage to a muscle, we're generating fatigue, um, and so we need time to recover back up to baseline. And then we want some more time to recover beyond baseline and actually grow, right? That's what, what, you know, what growth looks like. Um, and that whole period doesn't take more than three, maybe four days, uh, depending on how hard you work the muscle. But, um, if we can fit two of those windows in, in a given week, that's twice as many periods for growth that we are exposing our bodies to twice as many, uh, dose deliveries of this training stimulus, this growth stimulus. So, um, 
there are other reasons that that can be beneficial for people as well. Uh, one is just a just from a purely enjoyment perspective. Yeah. If, if I like training, you know, my my chest and my shoulders, uh, great. I'm doing it twice a week. I don't have to wait. Um, but also, you know, from a, a performance perspective and the ability to feel like you're really tra working hard and pushing hard during a workout. Well, if my whole workout in one day is just for my chest, my performance sucks by the end of the workout because mm -hmm. I've done like six or seven fucking exercises. It's just beat to shit at that point. And those, the productivity of those later, those sets later in the workout is not very high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the return on investment is low. So if instead I have like three or four exercises for chest at the beginning of the workout, and then I have a few for shoulders and then I have a few for my arms. Well, my performance on each muscle group stays pretty high. Um, and then I get to come back and do them again a few days later when they've recovered. And so performance is still high. It's just, it, from, from a recovery standpoint and a performance standpoint, it does generally make more sense. It's not like people haven't made progress doing just one muscle group per week. Look at Oh, the, I did. Yeah. I mean, and it, it works. For a while. You know, it, yeah. For a while. It works. Um, it's just for the majority of, I mean, anybody who trains like this will make progress. Um, and for most people, it just makes more sense uh, when you take into account like their schedules and things like that as well. That is another huge factor. Right. Because it allows people to move things around a little bit too, if they need to, yeah. based on time, availability, access to equipment. Yeah. Maybe they're on the road and they know they won't be able to get this particular workout done because they don't have access to that equipment in the hotel gym. Sure. They're not doing a leg day. Sure, sure. You know, at the Holiday Inn, yeah. you know, when they're on the road for their for a business trip, right? Yeah. You just, you don't have stuff, but that Holiday Inn gym might give you access to some dumbbells and yep. stuff that you could get maybe that, sh that shoulder work and, yep. Yep. and arm work done or something like that. So it'll, it allows some flexibility in there, which I, I, I think is important. The other thing is, is what I, what I get from it is you're not in the gym for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. It, hour and a half, maybe two tops, but for most people that shouldn't be necessary unless you're really doing a lot of talking to people or resting a lot between sets. And that's your prerogative. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people like the, that would choose this type of programming are probably already in there for 90 minutes already doing yep. something. Yeah. So whether it's 90 to 120 or somewhere in the, in the middle there, like you're already spending that time in there. How do we maximize, you know, our Your efficiency return and our on, effectiveness? That, yeah. on that investment of time and yeah. effort? Yeah. So I think that's the feedback we're getting. So okay. people are really like, really, Good. really like that, that, that part of it. But I think the bigger part is, is they're getting a result. They're getting an aesthetic result. Yeah. They're building muscle mass uh, because of the frequency of touches yep. on those muscle groups added alongside the recovery time that those, they get in order to work through that, that fatigue model where I've given it enough stimulus, the minimum effective dose in order to get it to grow yep. or get it to respond in the way that we want, which is that muscle growth and allow it to recover enough so that I can give it that dose again. In, sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. And you're going to learn a lot of things about your body and how your body responds to things and where you're weak. It also, I think in training like that, when you start to stack up, and I think a lot of people that choose this program are already doing this, and that is when you start to look at like, all right, now how is my nutrition impacting me here? Mm -hmm. How is my sleep impacting me here? How are the supplements that I'm taking or not taking? How could those potentially be impacting me here? When you're getting more frequency in those in the the those training sessions of similar or like body parts, mm -hmm. you have more to measure. Yep, more opportunities to compare. Yep. You know, with or without this, you know, how am I on six hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep with this muscle group? Well, eight hours, I did a lot better. So maybe I should try to get eight hours of sleep, you know, every, every day. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I think the learning curve there is, is a little sharper 
But at the same time, it's also, it can be very, very rewarding. Um, and it's not to say that training, you know, again, your body part one time a week can't be effective. But what I find is, is people never break out of that. And yeah. so what they get to is they're getting less and less of a return on that investment as they go down the line. Yeah. And what they end up doing is adding more volume uh, to their to their workouts, which then takes them long. Now they're in there two and a half, three hours. Uh They've, that nagging knee injury or that knee thing never seems to go away. That elbow, that shoulder is yeah. constantly uh, a problem and it's taking away from other other things, either in their, their life, work, or in the gym. And so there's, you know, again, that uh, that recovery process uh, doesn't, doesn't happen the same way. Yeah. And I think, you know, the people that are going to have better, uh, let's say, let's just say, they're probably not going to have an issue with, again, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or the, the one week, you know, sure, bro split sure, five sure. days to six days a week. Are the, are the folks that have, are they younger? Yep. Higher level they're of resiliency. More resilient, yep. yeah. <laughs> they have way more resiliency. They can, there's a the degree for error, or mar, the margin for error is much larger. Much wider, yeah. And much larger for them. And then, so as the, as you get older and you get on in life and things start to stack up or add up it for just you. doesn't work the same. And you reach back to that. That's where I see people running into trouble. Yes. And yeah. they're like, yeah, now you're just fucking crushing yourself. And you don't, number one, need to work like that in order to get the result you're looking for. And number two, you probably shouldn't be. Yep. Um, so I think that's another big factor in, in the way that programming is, is, is laid out. And I, I like to think that that's getting around. People are starting to understand that. Totally. That, that that frequency of training is important. It, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely and that say you, so. And that you can, do, you can train like that. Uh, yeah, I, I would even hazard to say should. Um, I, I do firmly believe that the the ways I coach people and program um, as far as the specific tempos I have people use, um, the mechanics for which I ask people to you know perform each exercise. And, and if you look at the programs that we've written together, mm-hmm. um, there are cues under most, verbal cues or written cues under most exercises that kind of cover some common mistakes people make. Um, I believe everybody, Anybody will make progress if they train this way. I believe there are people um, for whom uh, a looser, uh, less organized approach, like we talked about um, people with good genetic uh, response to who can do just about anything and mm-hmm. still get good, good results. They would respond to this kind of training too. But other people, people more like myself, who may not just respond to anything, um, they won't, wouldn't necessarily uh, respond the As same. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, anybody and everybody will get favorable results training this way. Not necessarily anybody or everybody would get favorable results training in a, a less organized or more sloppy way. Yeah. I, and that, I think that is probably one of the bigger takeaways from this is because when you're trying to deliver a program to number one, like it's a one-on-one client, somebody mm-hmm. that's got a very, very specific goal, physique, athlete, like the, the, your training that you're working with on a regular basis, like it works. Yeah. But it also works really well for the person that's just starting out. Yeah. Like the person that's just gung-ho and wants to train six days a week, not necessarily that they even need to be or maybe even should be is another way of looking at it. They're, they've are they been out of the game a while. They're just really eager. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to maximize that that membership uh, yeah. fee that they're paying on a on a monthly basis or whatever else. It works for them too. Yeah. So go back to the, like, you need to do something consistently for a year. Mm-hmm. This is for somebody that's been that, that's been doing something consistently for many many years. It works, and yep. it's and it works really well for somebody that hasn't been, um, and that hasn't been training for very long at all, from yeah. novice to advanced. Yeah, and obviously, 
there's going to be nuance in there in terms of uh, the application, but the principles never change. They never change. No, the the same exercises, the same training principles um, that worked when you were, for the most part, that worked when you were just starting out will continue to work for you as you get more advanced. What changes is um, well, one, how, how the type of stimulus you need, right? If you're stronger, you're more advanced, you're just going to need more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you have, as you get more advanced, you build the skill of training in a controlled way, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And so your training is going to look better. It's going to probably look a little bit different than it looked when you're starting out, but the overarching themes are the same. Yeah. I, and I think those are probably the bigger takeaways. So we're not trying to overcomplicate this. Uh, we're not trying to mix, you know, fancy words in there. There are some concepts and things that, that, that you've written into the program that again, can be applied across the board. And I think that's where I was going with this is like when you're trying to apply or sorry, you're trying to provide uh, solid programming for the quote unquote masses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be very tough sometimes to try and simplify it. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, not overcomplicate it so that people can grasp it and not get lost in the weeds as we, as we've said. And I think, I think you've done a, a, a really good job doing that. And I think the, you know, again, the feedback that we've gotten, the response we've gotten has proven that out and, or proves that and that people really like it. There's like ZZ and they're asking for like more, more. like what, what's, what's next? What, what else can I do? Which we've, we've provided for them. I think, you know, again, here's the shameless plug. Like <clears throat> There's a few different ways to take advantage of this stuff. There are a lot, there's a lot of great programming out there. So, so many good coaches and, you know, that's why I'm talking to you today because, you know, I, there's, it's important to have these kind of conversations. And I know you're talking to other coaches all the time that have mm-hmm. these very similar conversations while there's other conversations having on or programming being provided by, let's just say less than knowledgeable, less than experienced and, uh, um, or whatever, you know, on the interwebs out there. Sure. Um, there's there, you know, we offer this with this one within the membership that we offer, because yep. again, I think it's for people that have been around the game a little bit more, like they recognize like really what they're looking for. Sure. Um, and the membership gives them access to this among several other programs. Sure. They just seem to gravitate towards this one because I think they're having the most fun with it yeah, and they, li- they, they, they like it the most. Whereas the other ones do have a little bit more nuance. Sure. Um, the exercises can tend to get a little bit uh, let's just say, uh, less conventional. Well, they're more moving pieces because it's a lot more dynamic type stuff. You got right? it. And so, you know, like if you're around that and you understand that, like they, you may really enjoy that, but getting into the membership allows you access to this. And then from the one-on-one coaching perspective, you know, just shifting people over like, okay, I get it. Like I've been doing this for a while. I want to compete. Yeah. You know, like Caleb's a guy you want to work with. So there's ways to, there's ways to get this programming. One of which is through, you can go to rdftrainonline.com and you can find out about the membership program that we have. There are the online membership that we have. The physique programs are located within that programming. Um, you can get a one week trial for free to give it a try. And then, um, you know, after that, we, we, we do have a discount offer, which is uh, part of that trial. So you can, you can check it out there. If you're interested in getting into like one-on-one programming, um, you can contact Caleb. Caleb, how do they get in touch with you? Where do they look for you? Yeah. Uh, best is always going to be Instagram. Uh, so the username is Prince underscore Disney because my last name is Disney. Um, that is not a screen name. It's just a weird thing. So if you go uh, check out my Instagram and hit the link in my bio, there is an athlete intake form. Um, feel free to DM me with any questions you've got, but if you fill out that form, I will get back to you with an email, um, usually within a business day, um, schedule a call if need be, um, or if you know exactly what you want and are able to provide all the info that I need to get started, we can get started right from there. Right away. Yeah. Which is interesting. 
or I think which is the important part is like, if you're ready to roll, don't waste any time. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. The, like, the be- best time to start is yesterday. Uh, next best is right now. Right. Yeah. Get the information that you need. It's all right there. If you're, if you're that far down the road where you're literally thinking like, I'm going to step on stage, it really is like, you need to take action. So, so do it, man. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you stepping in today and, and, and handling this conversation with me. I know for a lot of people, some of that stuff may have been very basic, mm-hmm. um, but I'm hoping for those people that are looking at some of the basic stuff, looking at the nuance and going, oh, yeah, maybe I haven't thought about that differently. You want to you want to check that out or read or look more into that. There's You can go to Caleb's page on Instagram. He talks about this shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or you can reach out. Uh, and then for those people that are very novice or just kind of like, I'm not really sure, but that sounds the right thing. Hey, that's available to you too. So don't don't be afraid to reach out, reach out to either of us. But again, Caleb, thanks a lot for joining me today. Appreciate Thank you for it. having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.